with the filmmaking team of Bags, a uh, short film from uh, Vancouver, played at the Toronto uh, Comedy Film Festival uh, with Mitch Ray, the director, and the cinematographer, Rob. Uh, 28 minutes, but it really works. It's kind of really one location, too. Um, I've been in this situation before, both sides probably, where you'd like, especially in my 20s, when, when you had roommates, or generally most people had roommates, and you're just you just you have something to say, but you don't say it. And this is kind of like a kind of like a ex, ex, expanded version of that parody, I guess, that that kind of situation, I guess. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. In fact, how we talked about it at the start is that both people, most people have been on both sides of that exact sort of scenario. Yeah, 100 percent. And I think I, but then I think that when you're on the side of. Of being like kind of the part of my friends, the douchebag roommates, you don't, you're not even aware of it. Right. Cause you're kind of like in your own little world and, totally. and you need to be count. You need to be, I wish like I remember I had a roommate when I first moved to Toronto and in hindsight, I was terrible. And she, if she just said something to me, I might've been a little bit better and I might've been more self-aware, not that saying that's her job to do that. Yeah. But I think that if she, if, if she was more angry with me, I probably wouldn't better about a roommate to her back, but because okay. she was so passive aggressive, I just did. I was totally ignorant of it. So it reminded me of that, of my situation watching this film. So that's an interesting point where you have that kind of light bulb moment as you get a little bit older, where you realize the onus is on you to like notice and analyze your own behavior rather than them needing to overtly say that you're being an asshole. Cause you'll coast if you're just in it. Like the, like the douchebag, as you said, he's just coasting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you create your own reality. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that could go either either way too. Sometimes yeah. uh, the passive aggression gets sort of like uh, tossed aside, and and then other times anybody actually sort of confronting you even makes you worse potentially as well. Yeah, like in that drug fueled environment, the the degenerate roommate, shall we say, he in, in his mind the only rationalization he'll need to keep going is well he didn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. exactly. You're just gonna keep going because you don't have the awareness or the or the experience or the perspective. Or or you sort of leverage whatever rationalization to serve your own motives. Yeah. yeah. And we've seen this type of character like trope before, this kind of like the roommate where in like Hollywood movies and stuff, where like he's kind of the guy that he's not the hero. He's like he he doesn't stand up for himself. He's he doesn't face his conflicts head on. And by that kind of personality trait it leads to to the being funny and being comedic i guess totally yeah and i i like the idea of like a like a well-worn trope done in a different way yeah 100 so, percent. so then you kind of like the the archetype aspect of it is what makes it identifiable yeah but then you got to make sure it's not a uh, something you've seen a million times before and i i, I think we did a decent job in it yeah, you did a great job. So let me before I get to the the, the cinematic design with you and Robert, Rich, tell me about the the write the script. When did you kind of come up with this idea? When did you start writing the script? Um, so a few years ago, I was uh, I was at Kevin's place. Kevin's the lead actor, and uh, his friend Mark, who's the 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 guy who plays uh, Corey, the nemesis. He was staying at Kevin's place because Mark lives in Montreal because they both have roots back in the Montreal music scene. Mm -hmm. And Mark just woke up and uh, went into this deadpan bit that basically is the first scene of the film. All those lines like, uh, 
so like what do you guys do like like oh that's real cool guys like those those sort of passive aggressive bits and that kind of just stuck in my head for a while and then eventually i realized that's the great premise to like expand on where you have that bit of the passive aggressive roommate which we've we've all encountered yeah and just have like a bit of a groundhog day from hell and in that setting uh you can examine dynamics that everyone can relate to whether they can relate to the extreme drug abuse or not is not the point there's an aspect of that dynamic that everyone can relate to so i once the that that premise became evident to me as a functional one i pretty much had it fleshed out and written in almost a day uh which is not how it always goes <laughs> definitely yeah. not but uh, it was pretty much fleshed out and written a day and i i told kevin about it and i told rob about it and both immediately were like this is we're doing this one and uh about six months later we uh we shot it you guys might be too too young for this because you probably were born when uh, when it came out. But do you guys do you guys remember the movie True Romance with Brad Pitt plays oh, yeah. Floyd? Okay, absolutely. Tarantino's yeah. first uh, first yeah. film. So yeah. it reminded yeah. me of the guy. <laughs> it reminded me of like that. That was like the reminded me of Floyd, right? Where like, Floyd. yeah, Brad yeah. Pitt's character. Yeah, Brad Pitt. Pitt. He's just completely oblivious, right? Yeah. Apparently, Brad Pitt got offered a bigger role in that film, but that's the one he wanted to play, which I find quite hilarious. Yeah. And apparently, well, Grant Tarantino, he talks about it in his book. He has a book that, that just came out like maybe six months ago. That's yeah. a real character, right? Like well, all the characters guess in his films are real characters, but he talked about that character in his in his uh in his book too, right? That Ooh. yeah. The stoner deadbeat. Yeah, the, the, the stoner deadbeat archetype. <laughs> yeah, I guess he he kind of created that in the sense, right? Yeah, random couch guy. <laughs> random couch guy, yeah. Which you had the you had the like the 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 stoner du duos right like Cheech and Chong but you never had the stoner like you know couch guy I guess right yeah exactly the uh, the proverbial couch potato as they say <laughs> all right so you so you guys you wrote the script and then six months later you kind of made the film and then sort of like are these guys like these guys are actors uh, Rob and Mark and uh, Kevin you, Kevin has acted in some stuff um, and uh, a couple of people they have acted in like. Uh, like you know friends little short films or little comedy skits and stuff but no uh you know working trained actors at all uh which is kind of what i wanted not that there's anything negative to that but i, I found for this particular project the main parameter is i wanted people that uh, that knew these scenarios and that i knew and uh that i that i, I just trust their instincts artistically creatively and uh the perspective on these situations. So having people like that, that don't bring like, you know, learned techniques to the performances. Yeah. Uh, that sometimes that the expense of naturalism is uh, why I just wanted technically non-actors to do it. And uh, for that reason, we lean heavily on improvisation. The script was often, there was a few scenes that we followed the script pretty closely but there's a lot of scenes where we, we use the script as sort of an entry point into the scene. And uh, I basically just told the actors, like, don't think you're acting in a comedy. Play it straight. Let the scenarios dictate the comedy. And uh, don't think you need to fill air and don't think you need to complete the scene in a fixed amount of time. Just kind of sit in it. And uh, we're fortunate to get pretty 
I think I think very naturalistic performances and like beyond anything I could have imagined, to be honest. The 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 quality of the performances from the people. So it was great. So let's talk about what the, you and Rob about the the cinematic design, like the setup. Like you said, you said you were improv, kind of the acting. So I'm assuming a lot of the shots it was like because you got it's all is it all handheld? Is the whole, the whole film handheld? It's it's not all handheld. It's mostly handheld. There's a, a couple of key moments where we intentionally lock off the shots just to create a bit of contrast in the feel of the film. Um, but the cinematic design was really sort of revolving around making those spaces as uh, free as possible, you know, lighting from the outside as much as we could, uh, and then leaning into practical lighting. Gotcha. And so then you guys, basically, Rob, like you're just, you're just kind of like following the actor's lead, I guess, with the camera. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the scenes we sort of explored uh, in a master and sometimes it took, multiple takes to even figure out where those scenes needed to live cinematically. Uh, like I know there's one lens, uh, uh, there's one scene specifically that I think we did like 11 takes of, and it wasn't until we went up a focal length and then let the scene just kind of play in a one or that everything sort of all of a sudden really clicked and then took this own sort of, took its own sort of uh, uh, life in that take just because of that lens change and because everyone had been so sort of rehearsed and sort of in it at that point. Gotcha. And then did, did what do you do after that? You just like go, go, go in for coverage or like, what's the, what's the, I mean, after? Uh, some of the scenes we did coverage on some of the scenes, uh, did they just lived in those long takes or we did, we did multiple angles, multiple takes until we found something that really sort of worked for that scene. Mm -hmm. uh, but we all, all kind of played it uh, off the cuff. I mean, there were certain shots that Mitch wanted, um, but a lot of it was just, you know, seeing right. seeing what happened, seeing what, I mean, one of the benefits of the ways that we did it in a location that we didn't have to pay for, obviously, it was done in, in, in Kevin's apartment, like actual apartment, uh, fully sort of like run and gun uh, with very little actual rented gear. Um, it just gave us the freedom to be able to, you know, sit there and see and wait and let people sort of come and go and then and, and just whatever happened kind of happened yeah that's exactly it and there was basically like as far as like from scene to scene the the only sort of uh primary directive is what stage in their in their bullying of the protagonist are we at so if there's, we shot a certain scene and 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 the, at this point he's like not there to them yeah that's how they should approach him in the scene. And then we, from scene to scene, would elevate and be like, all there's very few beats they would have to hit, but the main thing is just to to feel natural and to to be in it. We'll worry about what we need to massage in the edit. But the only main thing was it was just a mode of antagonization of the protagonist that had to be consistent from scene to scene. Yeah. One of the fun things about the thing your film is that the roommate's having fun. He's also getting girls too, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so he's like, 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 uh, like the my favorite part is like I love how you guys set it up too. The the was like the like the 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 hot the tub scene, I guess, right? Where like yeah, they're yeah. like in the little kitty tub, I guess, right? And uh, and basically, and then they're like, and like he's like so basically he's having a good time with his life. Mm -hmm. he's not going anywhere 
he's not seeing the world, but then people are coming to him, I guess. Right. But yeah. then, so he's getting girls and he's like, having at least fun. they're getting his Coke. Pardon? <laughs> I okay. said, at least they're getting his Coke. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Right. But then again, it's about, then again, how, like, where does his money come from? I guess too. Right? Yeah. That's the next question. yeah. And there's a bit of an, it's funny, like that wasn't specifically discussed beforehand, but there's a bit of an undertone that the two lead actors uncovered themselves through their improvs in different takes that made the film was that like they started teasing each other about like who's funding all this and that whole that whole subtext of like is like are you kind of just being punk but in reality like mom and dad are footing the bill which we can we hinted at when he says like i'm gonna go visit my folks across the pond at the end where we implied that like he's kind of making the objective choice to be a bit of a dead deadbeat skid rather yeah. than being hard hard up in any way or yeah or i guess he's just in a lot of debt right so which oh, a yeah, lot of people yeah or about to be yeah. or well yeah it's accumulating right so sure. and then eventually, <laughs> and then eventually it, it ends because or maybe he's just very functional <laughs> he's got a good job or maybe, or maybe he's a dealer, really right maybe yeah. he's a dealer yeah yeah true that's the thing is it's ambiguous yeah it yeah. definitely asks those questions in that scenario, though, which is kind of like the stuff that you would normally think if you were in that scenario, which which yeah. I like. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's having all the fun. So basically, so it's like uh, it is. And of course, he's the one who's trying to be disciplined and like like riding his bike and trying to be in shape. And like, you know what I mean? So it's like it's kind of the irony is that he's he's trying to like, you know, life kind of rewards people like him. But it's <laughs> yeah. not It's in this situation or in this time being, it's not right. So. Yeah, exactly. And in his mind, he's outgrown this living arrangement and sure. this potential former buddy of his. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a comedy, of course, and we're all like, it's there's a there's like a, a sadness to the laughter, I guess, right? Yeah, so, for sure. yeah, yeah, as there is an all good comedy, <laughs> yeah. and we all kind of know that. We're, well, well, at least I have, and other people have. Where you you've outgrown the roommate, the, the living situation, you have to, you have to grow, kind of grow up and kind of be a man or whatever they want to call it. Right. Like the, the roommate situation is done. You're not, yeah. you're not that age oh, anymore. You're not at that maturity up. level. Yeah, you you got to have, you got to have your Simba moment. Yeah. Simba. <laughs> I like that. The Simba moment. Right. Yeah. Cause I guess he guesses the key goofs around and then basically violently realizes that he's got to st stand up and be a man, I guess. Right. Yeah. And there's also like a relevance to like, in Vancouver, which I imagine applies to a certain degree in Toronto too, is the amount of people that we know that are stuck in a, a living arrangement. Money. It's years beyond its expiry date. Yeah. Because like you're kind of you wouldn't be able to do better. Yeah. So you're kind of just stuck in this rut with no way out. And uh that plays into that dynamic too. And I imagine you you said you're in Toronto. I imagine it's quite comparable in a lot but of it's the be you're alluding to like the, the there's a there's a rent control and re, and real estate issue where like it's like you have to be a millionaire to to basically so, live by yourself and, and live in downtown vancouver you know what i mean like it's not like it used to be exactly and and that wasn't that wasn't explicitly thought out before that dynamic that was something that which i enjoy a lot when you realize like a a very like uh meaningful dynamic presents itself based on the scenarios we presented but we overlooked that that being an actual issue in it because it's kind of the norm <laughs> of the people we know yeah but yeah it's definitely relative relevant to this 
if you guys ever want to do a sequel um based on this idea i have a i have another idea <laughs> you're probably smarter than me so you probably already figured it out but uh like the office partner like you know when you're in an office space and the person sitting next to you is is just like the worst person the worst worker right they have like the worst lunch they're just like the you know what i mean they're annoying but they're you're forced to be beside them all day because you can't get out of your job right yeah the more bags would be the <laughs> no you know what i mean it's but it's like i think that's a common situation For that sure, we yeah. all that's it's why true. it's like, funny like that one of those characters in a different dynamic in their life exactly yeah yeah because you know what i mean like we all have that situation where we we like this person is driving us crazy but we can't get out of it right so yeah yeah it's always a great scenario to explore yeah sometimes when you guys when you when you have kids it's like you then then your friend your your kids have parents have for their friends' parents, and you, you're you're like stuck with them forever because they're your friends' parent. You're that's a pretty so good dynamic just, just, yeah. to discover too. It's like yeah. you know what I mean. It's like that. It's the baggage, right? So you're just yeah. like you're stuck with them. Yeah, that's a very relatable one. Is like the uh, the elementary school buddy parent friend. Yeah, yeah. you guys. Yeah, horse yeah. friend. Yeah, my my dad got Play to a point, my dad literally got to a point where he's like told my mom he's like I'm not going to these social functions anymore. <laughs> he's like I don't know or like these people, not for me. That's, yeah, so you understand, right? So that yeah, that's what happens too. Yeah, so yeah, so I, I like that your dad admitted to that fact, right? So you you just want to be friends with this kid, right? It's not you're there. He's not he's guilty, but you're not like it's not your fault, right? That your friend's parents are are jack offs, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Their parents. Right? <laughs> so basically, as the film, like, because I'm, I'm watching your film, I'm going, okay, how is they, how are they going to end it? Because it's like, it's like, where, where is this going to go? And like, also too, it's like, there needs to be an arc, right? Where it's like, okay, where is it? Where is it going to? Where is it going to end up? So, you when you wrote the script, is that what you were thinking about? Where like, okay, so this has to have a conclusion and. And these characters need to change, and this this character needs to kind of like our lead character needs to like headed headed in, in a direction, I guess, right? I kind of I I wanted to leave the ending open ended, and uh, I agree there needs to be some sort of a resolution as far as just a change to the general arc. But I didn't want it to be like a clear cut resolution because, in all honesty, most um, conflicts or scenarios in life don't get resolved yeah. right a lot of them don't get concretely resolved like this is my scenario and this is my mental state or whatever and now it's fixed or now it's broken yeah. most, most of them ended in a ex expression suppression or repression and i think that's <laughs> yeah exactly kind of the the messaging in the in the end of the film sort of cut you off no no worries you, you just nailed the the stop drop and roll of the 30 of your 30s yes <laughs> but basically yeah the, the ending it was there was a uh, the music was in mind and also particular images were in my mind but uh yeah there's no uh concrete thing of what it means uh I, I know what i originally intended when i wrote it but it's not necessarily how i feel about this scene where uh where because i've talked to different people and different people think including like kevin's take on it was quite different from my original take where is it is it like a moment of like liberation or is it a moment of like this guy's lost it a little bit um did this did the situations uh drive him towards this outcome 
or was he always waiting to do this, just waiting for the place to be his own? So mm -hmm. it means th different things to different people based on their different uh, life experience, I suppose. So I like that amb ambiguity of it. And the, also just the general subversion of expectations that, that it offers, I feel. So things start getting a little crazy. So Rob, uh, at the 20-minute mark, you got the couch scene, right? It's almost like it's like almost like a two-minute shot, correct? Like it's like yeah. one shot and you're going back and forth, like in a close-up with all the characters? Yeah, yeah. Were you like, how are you focusing? How are, like, how are you focusing? Like, was that difficult to like... Were you doing it yourself on the, with when you're? When oh, no, I, I had a I had a camera assistant who was who was pulling focus for me, but yeah, I was. He uh, did an amazing job because that's like not easy. I guess. You yeah, me, me and my me and my first AC Chris, we we go back a long way, and we we both really understand that scenario as well. And we've done so much handheld that we play off each other super well in those oneers from, from just shooting a, a wide variety of of stuff together. So our our synergy is very natural in a in a setting like that. And he knows how I move the camera and I know how he pulls focus artistically as well. So we kind of play off each other and we play off the actors as well. Yeah, that's fantastic because I'm, I'm assuming that's like, you're just letting that scene go as long as possible. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the scene I was referring to when I said that we did a bunch of takes and then eventually we switched focal lengths. Oh, gotcha. We I got on a 35 at first and it was when we switched to the 50 mil that all of a sudden the whole scene kind of, uh, took life and it, it felt very sort of like a, like a Cassavetes scene almost yeah. uh, in my mind, the way that, you know, the camera kind of almost is a character in the scene sort of sitting with those, with those actors in that moment and kind of letting things evolve. And it, it definitely caught some magic moments. Uh, and there's a beautiful fluidity through, through the performance and the focus and the, and the hundred percent, I think because of that. Cause it's almost like, how long is the shot? It's like almost like three, three minutes, three, four minutes. Yeah. And that, that's a, that's a fully like improvised take really. I mean, there's obviously there's certain beats from the script that it hits, but. Yeah. That, that scene, like when Rob was saying earlier, like as we were filming, we were kind of finding the methodology. Yeah. That's yeah. when it all came together. That one took a long time to find. And it was when, when we did find it, it was like all of a sudden very evident that that was the scene. That's the one we're immensely proud of. Specifically, that's yeah, that's my favorite scene in the in the film, probably. Because we did maybe three takes on each lens. Remi no, we did like we did like nine takes on the thirty-five, and it was the first take that we switched to the fifty that the scene came kind of came alive. And they were all like five, ten, fifteen minute long, uninterrupted. Yeah, they were long takes. Like that 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 scene is if we played that scene out in its entirety from that one take, it would be at least like nine or ten minutes. On its own, and, and basically, if he misses focus, the, the the shots basically ruined, right? Not necessarily, but generally, not necessarily. Yeah. But like, he's he's good at he's good at letting uh, focus breathe in a way that doesn't feel like a mistake. It feels sort of more organic, you know. I mean, I, I find the big thing for for shooting in that sort of style from a cinematic perspective is allowing the imperfections to feel intentional. Sure. And never overcorrecting. And as long as you don't overcorrect or try and chase something down, then it feels like, you know, as if you were kind of fucked up at the scene, sort of swaying and your eyes are going in and out of focus and you're breathing naturally and you're not always looking at the same thing. And sometimes you're not looking at anything. But that's that's the same, basically the same mindset as the is that is the acting in it is don't feel you need to land on it sharply. Yeah. Yeah. Just, into it. Just trying to be in the scene and and like pretending like you're there or believing that you're there. 
Yeah. React so the, to it. Don't uh, don't be like the 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 mark that it that is yeah. catch. Like react to it in real time. And gotcha. yeah, Rob's no, it's, it's fascinating because it like it's like is it's something that's not talked about a lot, and it's something that that when you're watching it like second third view and you're watching I'm like oh this is really this is really some solid work behind the scenes right so yeah that's what so kudos to him that. so yeah. okay the, the, Glad you picked up on that. the film's 29 minutes long which is long for a short film were you worried that it was too long when uh when you were putting it together i was that's a fucking editor. you were <laughs> yeah yeah i mean we 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 realized early on this is going to be a long short but decided very early on that at no point will we let the the length or the worry of the length dictate the what we have dictate the film and the thing thing that rob and i have that we're very fortunate to have between us is we immediately know like the slightest change here and there is it better or worse and uh at no point was it like like oh like you know like 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 shave a second here for this like it's just immediately evident if yeah. we're compromising what's better yeah exactly uh, and uh that was kind of the thing like we knew that like just based on the length of it will will not be eligible for festival certain festivals will be more likely to be rejected from certain festivals we won't make live screenings for festivals because it's long as you said but i i really believe you can't let those you just got to make your film yeah you got to make the film that you want to make <laughs> yeah you got to make your film because anything else it doesn't have the long view in mind and uh uh certain it might be costly in certain aspects but i think i i'll err on the side of doing it truthfully and i well you know easier said than done right because you still want to get people to watch the film and and uh I'm watching it and I see a lot, of, obviously I see a lot of comedy films and I was like, it cuts the cup got passed to me because they was approved from the first level. And it was like, Oh my God, 29 minutes, one location. I'm like, okay, let's see what these guys, <laughs> yeah. these guys are made of. It's, that was like a terrible idea on paper. <laughs> and uh, because it's also too, it's also very natural film. Like guys, that's why I guess Mitch wanted you on the, on the podcast, Rob too, right? Cause it's a very, it's a very natural film, meaning that, it doesn't like it's like you're letting the like you're using a lot of natural lighting and it works. It's like it's very it's a very like I said like your your camera operating work is fantastic and uh, just you like we're talking about your your um your focus puller but it's a really fantastic film and it's like only when you watch it the second time is when like because I know what's gonna happen so I'm just watching your camera work and I'm like. Wow, this is pretty. This is pretty great stuff. I'm like, I, I hope you're making a good living as a camera operator because you know what you're doing. Yeah, decent. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a pretty good year this year. Good. I'm glad to hear that because it's like because it's like for someone who sees a lot of short films, this is like, it, 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 hopefully it, it won't it doesn't go unnoticed by me. It's like, and I hope it doesn't go by noticed unnoticed by some or some people too. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. No, I, I've been very fortunate because I came up through this sort of indie world through through the yeah. music scene, uh, which is kind of how we all know each other as a, a collective. Um, but I've been uh, really passionate about it, and uh, yeah, it, it has it has uh, given me a lot of opportunities in Vancouver. We've got a, a good film scene here especially in the independent world and uh, it's it's been growing for me so yeah right, so let's talk about 
the editing then let's talk about your sound design you uh mitch you you you, you came up through the ranks of uh of society and life through music i guess the music industry everyone who worked in the film did we all know everyone each did? other okay and uh and rob that it's funny like every single person who worked in that film is someone i know very personally but there's two roles we needed to fill that i didn't know someone very intimately to uh to bring on so the one was the on location sound uh which chris who who pulled focus and shout directs, out to chris merrill directs and writes and produces other parts chris merrill he uh he re he ref referred uh, our on location guy Alex and Rob referred uh, Jordan, who uh, is pretty seasoned in the Vancouver scene at least. And Rob can elaborate. Yeah, more he's, so. he's a he's a phenomenal uh, post sound and and composer. Yeah, it's I a very good with, job. I've worked with him on a lot of projects. He just won a, a Leo this year for a short film that we did uh, the year previous. Yeah, he was excellent. And he's he's really excellent. And. Uh, did us a big solid too for this one because it's yeah he did no he, uh, he was uh, incredibly generous with this time yeah, and a difficult sound time. edit very robust a lot of tracks a lot of overlapping voices yeah no it was yeah it's a, a lot of stepping on lines as you yeah 100 percent yeah that type of improv did, did he did did you have to do some adr work for the film though surprisingly only not only one scene one scene but that's not that wasn't even really adr that was just uh that was like a uh like behind the scenes voice we didn't do any adr it's true yeah the the only thing we went back afterwards to do anything was uh the delivery driver scene yeah yeah which is which is never on screen so like everything that you see is actually uh on location sound yeah. which is to me boggles my mind because there was so much going on and so many different lab mics and mics everywhere and yeah, there was, was, uh, nothing we reshot or redid it was all in that seven day period or six day period or whatever and it was definitely it was definitely a challenge because I did a lot of the uh, assistant sound editing as I was cleaning it up as I, I was doing the edits as well to to hopefully set up Jordan up for success. But yeah, he put in a lot of work, I'm sure. <laughs> and there was a lot of like uh, professional level technical aspects of the filmmaking process that like I I just simply didn't have the experience for. Yeah, Rob's Rob and Chris, but Rob even more so is basically just carried it carried us through that so the amount of like painstaking tedious work he had to do with sound and uh uh inaccurate slating or, or non-slating on certain yeah we we had a very small skeleton crew a lot of the days we didn't have a second day see a lot of the times we slate we misslated or didn't slate or or time code wasn't running or yeah. things like that because it was just a spur of the moment and, and it was really kind of done in a, a flurry of passion a lot of a lot of the days and, you know we knew what we could get and we knew how far we could kind of push the sort of uh technical aspects to the point of up, without having them break straight up would have been impossible to complete it if it wasn't for rob doing like a, a like a monumental amount yeah <laughs> a lot there's a lot of editing it, we had enough footage to make a 50 minute film like no problem i'm, I'm assuming you did yeah. yeah yeah a lot of footage yeah jordan as far as the sound thing was great like we we basically did all the sound the the post sound stuff in, in a month and uh it was basically like the 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 parameters i gave him is it's all diegetic sound 
uh, should always feel grounded. And the one time we break that is that uh, charade scene gone awry. And uh, that was difficult. And it was, it was basically just like, how do we kind of sprinkle in these little psychosis sounds without it deviating too much. But he, uh, it's good that he's a, like a like a real musician and like uh, our demeanors clicked very well, which is why Rob knew that was the right guy for the reference because I assess people very much on like demeanor, and uh, he was uh yeah he was able to he just it was a real case of like short small window of time, and a lot of picking up what we're what we're putting down, kind of thing which uh, those sort of uh, that sort of working chemistry isn't isn't that common. Rob knowing me and knowing Jordan was very useful in us being able to operate. And I knew, I knew for him too, because he, he's, he's the type of guy that really likes to challenge himself that this was a very different film that he was used to. So yeah. I knew that he'd be able to sink his teeth in it and for him, you know, be challenged and it'd be really engaging for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, he's a joy to work with. Yeah. Probably. It's, it's a great, it's a great job. It's like, it's a fantastic job. And, and seeing that you can see that, I was just like, when you guys were talking, I was just like looking up um, his information. He's already on his way. Like he just graduated yeah. a couple of years ago uh, mm -hmm. for Vancouver film school. And he's already like getting, doing a CBC documentary and like, yeah. So you guys grabbed him before he got too, too expensive. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I got in there early. <laughs> Him and Rob have worked together a ton and, and, and Rob like Jordan, like they are on their way. Like they're. Yeah. And in our little crew, like as Rob was Rob was alluding to earlier, we have a little crew of five or six like creatives that work on each other's projects in different uh, disciplines. And uh, Rob's the leader of that. Like he's uh, he's the most technically proficient, most experienced. He has all the creative uh, taste combined with the technical ability. So he's the one kind of spearheading our little collective trying to rise up here. Yeah, we're, we're shooting a thing with uh, Kevin for Kevin's band on Saturday. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I'm gonna tell you something, Rob. The most people like I do these podcasts, and directors kind of like want to take the take the gold or take the glory all by themselves. But he he insisted that you be uh, that you be on this podcast today. So basically, he has you can tell that he has a great respect for for you, and he he I, you know he appreciates. I'm using his words, but seeing. For my perch and what I experience all the time, that he wants you to make, he wanted to make sure that that you knew that how how valuable you were to the team. So yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it's a obviously it's a, a collective effort, and we're we're all like old friends. We've been friends for <laughs> for ages, and like we before we were before I was even before I picked up a camera, you know, we were uh, slugging away in in Vancouver clubs, playing in the metal scene here. So that's so cool. So then, is the the so that's we send the audience to you and the audience feedback video. What did you guys have to? What did you guys think about what they had to say about your film? I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was <laughs> awesome. I, I love watching that type of feedback and getting people's like genuine sort of uh, impressions and and dissections. I thought there was a lot of great insight. That was one of my favorite things to actually watch back uh, from anything that we kind of received from for the film. Yeah, it's nice to see that that uh, when we think that certain uh, scenarios will resonate with people beyond our circle they do yeah it's 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 awesome to see that uh to see that reciprocation of like what we kind of think and feel 
uh, you know, felt by somebody else you know, on the other side of the country or whatever. Yeah, I enjoy I enjoy people having wildly different takes than what we thought too, which is pretty. <laughs> that's actually one of the most enjoyable things. Also, who edited that? Because whoever edited that did a hilarious thing at the end. <laughs> the last person got cut off. <laughs> it was like a super aggrieved uh, person, like giving some feedback at the end, which I thought was hilarious and and as she like in the middle of her her like near tirades the editor just added cut her off and ended the video it seemed which, like it was for comedic effect too yeah the which i thought like man throwing a creative touch in there yeah. <laughs> i'm sure because his name's john tran and he actually uh he's working right now because we're doing his podcast in uh second week of um September, so he's, he's like a big TIFF. He does a lot of TIFF editing and TIFF, uh, oh, awesome. TIFF camera work. So basically, and he has that, he does have a very dry sense of humor. So Yeah, that's what it seemed like. Yeah. It seemed like a pretty cheeky little move there. Yeah. At the end of the we'll day. let him know. Our yeah. I will, Chip for sure. Cause I, I, obviously, because I, I text with him all the time, right? And he's his his uh, his texts are always funny as well. So like, it's just, yeah. So yeah, I'm sure he's working. I'm sure he's in the middle of the right now. He's like he's watching a movie right now, and he does like he does a lot of the Q and A and the editing for the for the film festival and for the that's filmmakers. Awesome. So that's couple, what he's doing right now. So couple friends that are over there right now. Uh, yeah, as part of the festival. All right, guys, it was an amazing film. <laughs> I love to see what you guys do next. Um, I think you got a future ahead of you. I think I, I'm assuming that's your future. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm not I'm not looking back. I've got. Yeah. three or four more short films in the next two months that i'm pushing through <laughs> yeah and uh yeah i'd love to see what you guys i think it, there's, there's something fantastic and kudos to your lead actor too because he's like in every scene you have a lot of close-ups he's like this even the mirror shots like it's like not easy acting you know what i mean and like, no. he's got to keep that tone where like it doesn't get too dark it doesn't get too like too yeah. like uh you know what I mean that the audience kind of like runs away from them right like it's, it's the, gotta be the fun. Full, the full take of that mirror scene gets pretty dark if you watch all 14 minutes of it I'm it sure like it does you know what I mean? so, and kudos to you guys for understanding balancing is his performance in the editing room too so yeah a lot of a lot of that was Mitch's Mitch knew exactly how to how to play that one and, and Kevin is actually the actor I directed the least in the whole film that he makes just, sense I know him he knows me and he knew the bit he also took his preparation very seriously. He was working with an acting coach and really kind of trying to get oh, wow. in the uh, yeah in the mindset of that character. And I mean, part of the magic also uh, is uh, you know the result of shooting in his apartment for five days and literally having people like come and go at all hours of the day, having yeah. a smoke alarm go off, being completely claustrophobic and and trapped in with all these smelly. Uh, I'm sure that helped his performance, right? Yeah, oh, did. Sure. Did. yeah, yeah. He put him in a real bed, <laughs> yeah. and he's gutsy too, right? He did toilet scenes, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean? like, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was fearless in that role. Yeah. All right, let's talk again when you guys make your next film. I uh, love to hear from what you guys do next. Uh, stay in touch, and I'm, I'm congratulations on the success of the film. Like it's, you can see on your Twitter, on your Instagram page, uh, it's doing well. It's getting awards. It's getting seen, and. Uh, that's amazing. It's amazing stuff, including our festival. But uh, you guys, we're just a stop along the way for you guys, and we wish you the best of success for for the future films. Hey, really, really appreciate that, and I appreciate you taking the time to you know think about it and to to give us those uh, takes because those are really valuable and they and they make us feel uh, validated as uh, filmmakers. So we Thanks. all appreciate you guys. Your, your thoughtfulness and like actual 
caring about this is not lost on us. So I really appreciate all that. And I'm sure we'll cross paths very soon. Hundred yeah, percent. All right, man, guys. Let's uh, talk. We'll talk soon. Take yeah. care. One, two, three, four, five, six.